welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. Cat here. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to make a super exciting announcement. The audiobook version of my book, Yelling and Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, is now available on Audible and iTunes. Yay! If you don't have an Audible membership, go to my Twitter, at WetCoastCat, and follow the link to Audible. It gives me a big boost. Consent is a topic that has been an essential part of the non-monogamy experience, though not everyone is great at asking for or respecting it, and some feel like we talk about enthusiastic consent too much. In monogamous dating, it has only recently become a more nuanced discussion than the no-means-no message that most of us were taught. After all, talking about our wants and boundaries would kill the mood and ruin the magic flow that is supposed to happen in love scenes. With the explosion of the Me Too movement that began with Tarana Burke in 2006 and hit the popular media in 2017, consent is being discussed more widely than ever before. What is consent? How do we effectively set boundaries and respect the boundaries of others? Can consent ever be sexy, as some people propose? On this episode of On the Wet Coast, Flick and I are joined by Aaron Tillman, author of The Consent Guidebook, a practical approach to consensual, respectful, and enthusiastic interactions, to talk about, you guessed it, consent. Welcome, Aaron, and thank you so much for making time to talk to us on what sounds like a very busy day. Hi. No, thanks for having me. I, you know, I can always make time for important discussions like this. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. So I'm just going to give a quick rundown of your bio before we start. So everybody who doesn't know you yet uh, will get lots of good information. The dating advice girl, Erin Tillman, is an inclusive dating empowerment coach, author, speaker, and has spent 10 plus years as a TV, radio, and podcast host. In 2018, Erin was awarded the Gender Equity Award presented by the California National Organization for Women. She is dedicated to empowering all singles and all lifestyles to have happy and enjoyable dating lives that best suit their dating and relationship wants, needs, and objectives. And she's also author of the aforementioned Consent Guidebook. Wow, that's that's lots of great stuff. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've, it's so funny, because I was just thinking about how I was going to update my uh, bio, um, which I, I did just thank you for reading that and mentioning it. Um, I did win an award with the National Organization for Women last month. And that was a huge honor, totally unexpected um, for my work in consent education. Um, and part of that is my book. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just been a pleasure to do this work. And now it seems like there's a little bit of a through line because I've worked in the entertainment industry for about 15 years. Um, so with the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement, which is specifically in Hollywood, it seems like there is more of a, oh, it's she she has been in the business too. So there's a little bit more of an entertainment uh, twist on what I do at the moment. But again, right, yeah. you know, I love my main thing too. I, I speak at colleges quite a bit as well. And I, I'm always forever... Um, re-energized in this discussion because you know it, it can it just can be an exhausting conversation at times um, but when I go to colleges I'm always there's always somebody or 
whatever group of people shows up to a workshop I'm leading that literally is just like, oh, thank you, kids. I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> East LA College in Los Angeles last year. And um, it was a, it was during sexual health awareness month. And um, I wasn't expecting a huge turnout. And it was like most of the people that showed up were uh, male identifying people, students that showed up. And I was like, I oh, wow. Right. I didn't think yeah. most people would expect that. And so that just in there asking, you know, how, how can they be more respectful with their girlfriends? What advice would they tell their, their sisters? Like, I was just like, okay, just, just bravo, all of you. Amazing. So yes, I haven't lost faith. <laughs> I think that probably points to uh, the big shift in awareness we've seen, especially over the last couple of years, where it would be hard to imagine that there would be that much interest in the subject of consent, uh, especially uh, from from males in, in a um, in an environment like that. Yeah, and especially the younger generation, because I feel yeah. like the whole conversation about millennials and post millennials and they're ruining everything, but it's like <laughs> I, I don't think that they are. And actually, they've been kind of the most outspoken group of people in the madness that has been the last couple of years in various ways. Uh, with various people who run the United States and things. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like they're not afraid to speak up about things. They have very strong opinions about things. And honestly, the most pushback I've had speaking in all kinds of um, countercultures and subcultures and including, you know, from college students to entertainment industry to BDSM circles to, you know, polyamory circles to, the most pushback I get is from people, say, 40 years old and up. And I'm in my late 30s. So I'm in that age bracket of where it starts to get a little like. Yeah. About consent. So that was, that's been an interesting thing, too, a whole generational uh, divide, so to speak, with this conversation. Yeah, for sure. It seems like people sort of have a, well, this was how it was for us. So therefore, we can't change or therefore, this is how it needs to be for everybody else. Right. Well, I think there's also like sort of a, a sense of, you know, well, if if this is the way it should be done, then that means that I have been doing it wrong my entire life and, and trying to resolve that cognitive dissonance between, you know, I'm a good person. And yet I've been I've been, uh, you know, I've uh, been violating um, boundaries my entire life. Right. And the thing is, is that, you know, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying so hard to bring some level of levity into yeah. the conversation because i mean we all have some level of malaise from it right i mean listen it's an exhausting conversation and can be very hard to hear and navigate through as a dating coach as someone who has integrated consent into their career and brand like i have you know it can be exhausting which is why i do a lot of other things on the side in the entertainment business and teach dance part-time just to just <laughs> level and balance things out a little bit. Yeah. But, but again, like, you know what, if we can kind of reframe the whole, um, you know, Oh, I might've, I I'm, you know, scared. And I'd rather like push back from what's happening because of fear of the past, my past actions. It's more like, okay, so let's just, let's, let's put it in perspective. Um, self-awareness is amazing. Right. And it's always good to look back on past behavior, but, you know, times change and things evolve. So if now we're in a place where things have evolved with the consent conversation, okay, great. You can always make changes. And now is the time to adjust 
behavior and just become more self-aware. Um, my book that you mentioned, thank you for mentioning, um, the consent guidebook chapter four is enthusiastic consent is the new normal. And so that, that's basically it. It's like, okay, yeah, things were done differently in the past. Um, of course, you know, now we have more awareness and there's more education around these things. So there's always, there's never a better time to change behavior. You know, what does Oprah say? Oprah says, um, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And I feel like what's happening now. So uh, you, you, you mentioned enthusiastic consent. And one of the things that, uh, that, that I've, I've heard is, you know, and, and sort of push back against that a bit is the idea of it being uh, a little bit uh, ableist in the sense that, that often people with, uh, with mental illness or, um, you know, or mood disorders can, they, they don't always feel capable of necessarily enthusiastic consent. Um, how, at least the way a lot of people imagine what enthusiasm might mean. Right. No, absolutely. So yeah, I know. I think that's an excellent point to bring up. Um, so in this conversation in general, everyone's levels of enthusiasm or ways to react to certain thing or abilities and those kind of things are different. Okay. So I, I just had a conversation and this is not exactly the same thing, but a conversation around the fact that, um, somebody, someone I was coaching was like, I just don't want to have a consent conversation. I just don't want to do it. I'd rather just, you know, fumble through things and see what the deal is and then just go from there. And I said, well, listen, I said, we all make, can make choices, right? We all, you know, we can, we have free will, et cetera. So if you, the best thing I could say was if you can find somebody who's on the same page with you in that way, even then great. Okay. Cause then if you guys have an agreement, it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope and it's kind of risky, but if you're both in agreement, cause there are other people of, there are people of all genders. I'm sure you've talked to or know people or who are like, yeah, I'd rather not. I'm, I'm, stick of the consent conversation. I don't want to do this with my partners. It ruins the mood, like you said. So I'd rather just fumble through it. So, okay, if both people want to do that, great. But I still think there should probably be a conversation even about that, <laughs> right? Yeah, that yeah. That they, were, they, were, they were just going to, quote, go with the flow. Right, right. Yeah. So um, that's definitely not the same category as someone who might have a disability or some sort of limitation, so to speak, in some way. But I just say that to say that everyone's going to be a little bit different with how they react to things. I know with my personality, for example, I'm very outspoken and always have been. But I, I fully understand that not everyone's like that. You know, there's, then there's the whole, um, if you add in the whole flight freeze or and why can't I think of the third one right now? That's nice people do freeze in situations, you know, that they're uncomfortable in. Um, I mean, I'm going to, I have, I tend to, over talk sometimes. So I'm going to keep it to a minimum here. But <laughs> one last thing, I have so many thoughts all the time. Uh, one last thing I was discussing with somebody um, actually at a panel of a I'm at a convention right now in, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, we were talking about the levels of uh, how we're talking about Aziz Ansari, the comedian um, who basically some, someone you went on a date with here in the States um, weeks or months later after the date wrote in a blog, somebody's like, it was like a journalist did a mm -hmm. story on him. he was inappropriate and it was terrible. And this girl he went out with was like, Oh, it was just 
the worst and he thought it was the best and all these things. And um, unfortunately, he was kind of being thrown into the category of like a Weinstein or a Cosby or Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Or and I thought that was unfortunate because when I read the article, it felt to me like there just wasn't a consent conversation or like a conversation about boundaries. And in addition to that, um, there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a, like a, I, I think that, how do I say this uh, concisely? It seemed to me that the girl he went out with wasn't um, confident in expressing her boundaries in a way where she felt like she could leave his place. Um, he wasn't stopping her from leaving, but I think there's a thing sometimes with women, with cisgendered women that we grow up not like being told to no, just don't bother people or don't speak up. It's going to make things worse or just go along with something. And that was a huge part of that story for me. And so I think there's a part of this where, but then in another sense, here we go, wrapping it up. Um, another sense, you know, with his, and on his end, it's kind of like a situation of, um, was he really paying attention to this girl, his partner at the time, was he paying attention to her? The fact that she wasn't enthusiastic, the fact that she said verbally, allegedly, that I'm not sure if we should continue this because I don't want to like regret it in the future or something. I mean, that's not enthusiasm. So there's different ways to be enthusiastic. And part of reading someone's enthusiasm is knowing who that person is and knowing how they might react or you know, what is their pattern of reacting? Do they have a pattern? You know, do, do I know what they're like when they're enthusiastic? And maybe their super overjoyed enthusiasm is a mellow, like, like small smile. We don't know. Right. So it's, that's why it's so important to get to know your partner. Okay, there you go. Sorry. So long-winded. I'm so long-winded. Yeah, Sorry. no worries. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, and, and enthusiasm could be relative to your, to your, your current state. It's like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not really, uh, you know, very excited about anything, but you know, I'm, I'm a definite yes for this, even though, you right. know, that's spiking at like, you know, a, a, uh, a, a five out of 10 for, for excitement. Yeah. You know what? I love that. I love that you brought up a number scale. I yeah. think that's amazing. You know, like, you know, I actually, I'm very much a person that likes lists and, and numbers and schedules. <laughs> so like for me, great. Like almost like what's your pain level? Like if you're at the doctor or something, like mm -hmm. that's helpful for some people. Like that could be a great way to show levels of enthusiasm. Amazing. Yes. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so what made you decide to write a book about consent and boundaries? Um, I suppose in one word, Trump. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, extended version is I've, you know, I've been a dating coach for over 10 years and, uh, I actually, so about eight years ago, I was like, gosh, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I feel like I've kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of covered every angle, not every angle, but I've explored a lot of things. I've covered a lot of things. I've interviewed a lot of people with just the dating part of what I do. Um, and I, I did talk a little bit about consent before, but. I was more, I positioned myself more as a dating coach. It's like, why does everyone hate dating? It should be fun, which is the <laughs> truth. Like it really should be a fun time. And we make it like this terrible, terrible experience which is ridiculous. because <laughs> um, we put so much like weight on, this is going to be the love of my life on the first date. And it's like, just have fun. Get to know someone. But anyway, it's whole 
So when the whole well, I, I, well, I think happened, I think we I think okay. we treat I think we treat dating as like a job interview as opposed to an experience that we want to go out and have. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a job interview, but also we treat it like like it's literally like, oh, my God, the stakes are so high. This person <laughs> better be it for me because I hate dating and everybody's terrible and I'm scared of the world. And now, of course, like people, we have experiences in our life that can make us more nervous or tentative around meeting new people and quote unquote strangers. I totally yeah. get it. And then don't get me started with online dating and dating apps and all that. Okay. <laughs> but, but, back to, but back to Trump. Right. Exactly. Yes. But I digress. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, it, it was. So about, you know, a couple of years ago, I was kind of trying to figure out if I, how I wanted to kind of rebrand myself or if I even wanted to continue with what I was doing in the way that I was doing it, Trump happened. And I was like, there's no way I can't talk. I have to say something about this. Grabbing pussy. like, I don't know how, I think I would say the majority of reasonable people were outraged, right? Yeah. But there were people who weren't or were making excuses and still are, right? And the locker room talk and that whole thing. And so I was like, I don't know how as a dating coach, how do I not talk about this? And and I have so much to say about it, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, I so I basically just started kind of writing down thoughts um, about what I didn't think would necessarily be a book. It was just thoughts about certain topics within that category and such. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of evolved into... Well, what you know, he got elected, and just there was more talk around that kind of stuff. Me Too movement happened, which is another big reason that I wrote the book. And it was just like, I, you know, this is this is a big topic, and obviously, again, a generational divide is it's very clear there's a, a divide here, and also just consent education. Because then I would start, I started on my, I have a podcast as well, and on the show, I, I started interviewing groups of people around if they ever learned about consent growing up, like in sex ed. And most people had not. And I, I interviewed people from the from ages 18 to I think the oldest person I interviewed was in their 70s. And yeah. literally, uh, maybe one person said they kind of, I was like, this is insane. No wonder. Like, no wonder mm. this is normal. Uh, for quote unquote normal that, that we're hearing this. And we're like, well, boys will be boys. It's like, okay. So, so and then, you know, the Me Too movement is another big part of why if, if nothing is going to happen um, in terms of shifting society, uh, I guess, formally, then there will be, there's always a social impact in the, the court of public opinion will, will shift things if necessary, I suppose, for better or for worse, you know? So, yeah. So we've, we've been really lucky sort of for the majority of our, our non-monogamous experiences to, you know, have had like people that we've interacted with be like really great on the consent uh, framework and and really talking about everything a lot and possibly as you know a lot of polyamorous people we just really like to talk and talk and talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and even even the the people that we've that we've had experiences with who are who are not like sex geeks have been really receptive to to uh, you know consent and really respectful people. So yeah, yeah, you know, I agree. Um, Okay, can I? This is elephant in the room. You're Canadian, and you're always very sweet. Canadians are the best. Okay, so, so, or maybe there's part of that as well. Whatever, probably not, but maybe, maybe it's true. Okay, we've, so we spent a lot of time with with Americans in these circles, so it's not only a bunch of uh, <laughs> friendly, polite Canadians. 
<laughs> that makes me so happy to hear. It's but the stereotypes are true. You guys are fantastic. Um, but so, but I, you know, I have to, I have to agree with what you're saying from my experience too. Like I, I've been lucky enough that I've not had um, a lot of serious or I've not had like violent interactions in my dating life, even when I was younger. So, but I've, I've definitely had things happen mm-hmm. um, that were violations big violations but i've you know some people i mean just i think we all know people who've gone through a lot of trauma around this stuff and so you know and so that's the thing i mean if there's if there's any level of empathy in somebody even if they don't understand this if they if they still don't understand this conversation hopefully there's some level of empathy that someone might feel when interacting with someone knowing that maybe they might have a different experience and maybe that should be respected, you know? And if that means taking a little more time to get to know somebody or, you know, asking certain questions or, you know, just caring for somebody in those situations before you share an intimate moment, for example, I don't think that's too much to ask, you know? But, but it, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of a pushback. It becomes, it becomes more of an ego, selfish pursuit a lot of times as well this is what I want and this was this is what would be easier for me so it's not necessarily thinking about you know the well-being of the other person and that that's a big part of this conversation too for sure for sure right. and there's a there's a quote in your book um from uh friend of the show <laughs> dirty lola um Yay! that is um you know it's about respecting the person in front of you enough to stop and contemplate their needs before your wants yes yeah, Lola is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, thank you for bringing up that I have other um, experts in the book. So just for, for people listening, um, you know, I, I, I have one voice, like I mentioned before, I have one set of experiences. Um, I identify, you know, as a, a, a queerish black female, cisgender black female. And, you know, I, I it was really important to me to have other voices in the book. And people who have different levels of, of um, education and experience and prof- like professional experience. So there's over 30 experts in the book giving some sort of consent advice in the book, health teachers, sex educators, um, uh, performers and various people. Cause I just, it, it can't just be my voice. Like it's not me. This is not about me. It can't just be about me. And honestly, I almost didn't write this book at all because I like, the, the level of overwhelm that I felt with this huge topic oh, when yeah. there weren't many books. Yeah. And there weren't many books about it. And there's more, like more people we know and people we don't know are writing books around consent, which is great. The more the merrier, please. Like it's more about changing the culture, you know? And so I was like, Oh, I, I was, I mean, I was like, Oh, amazing. People want to add something to this book. Yay. <laughs> Yay. You know, it just, it just makes it more comprehensive and, and just more balanced. And it's like, okay, so there's men in the book. There's, you know, queer folk in the book there. You know, so anyway, it was just really important for me to have other voices and other experiences in the book as well. And not just my take only, you know. Well, that's awesome. So what are some of the key points that you cover in the book? Okay. So, <laughs> just, you know. So I really wanted to make the book very um, easy to digest. Um, I didn't want to make it too preachy because, you know, I, again, it's we're we're in a place where we've heard a lot in the last year or so. We've heard a lot about consent and, you know, all these things. So there's a little bit of malaise around the topic. So I really wanted to make it something that was easy to follow. 
Um, it's not necessarily a book for kids, even though there are illustrations in it, but I just wanted <laughs> to make it just a little more lighthearted than like consent manual, <laughs> like heavy, yeah. like I didn't want to be yeah. that. So in the, in the book, um, everything from dealing with boundaries, um, with family and friends to, you know, like I said before, you know, um, enthusiastic consent being the new normal. There's a sub chapter on digital consent, respecting boundaries around photos and videos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm speaking at a, uh, an anime convention this weekend. And I mean, I've seen a few things. I've heard about a few things that have happened overall. Everyone here is pretty respectful, but photos for sure at a, at a comic-con type situation. Mm-hmm. can be a problematic thing not to mention obviously touching and stuff when people are wearing really fun costumes or sexy co- you know it's like oh there's like this entitlement that happens that oh, they look amazing i must touch them like okay um back to the book so accountability accountability is in the book i have 14 pre-consent questions that you can ask yourself before going forward to see if someone might be on the same page or not yeah with you. um right uh Emotional intelligence is something I I cover in the book because you know there is there is a comprehension curve sometimes with this conversation. There might be people who might logically get it, but then emotionally, in terms of like um uh, like an, uh, again an emotional connection or a spiritual connection, they might not be on the same page as you, and that's fine. You know, they're not a bad person. It just might not be a good fit. So I think that's a big part of this conversation too. Um, yes, no, maybe lists. Um, you know, so I, I do have a chapter on, um, the sexy part of consent sex and, you know, determining if you're a good fit in terms of likes and dislikes, the assumption of intercourse is a huge part of the book. What does that mean? I will tell you, <laughs> um, it's, it's <laughs> where I, it seems like, and, and this is true, even with me growing up, um, you know, and dating, I start, I was a late bloomer. I didn't start dating until I was. I guess maybe like 19 or 20, like first kiss and everything. Like like I was definitely a late bloomer. And it's, there was always an interesting thing for me, um, especially going through all of that later where it was like, Oh, okay. I'm kissing somebody now. And now there's this huge assumption that intercourse is going to happen now, Mm. like right now after a kiss. And I think, again, that goes back to what are we learning? Are we learning it from pop culture? That's also in the book. I have a subsection on pop culture and how we learn about consent through movies and TV and music. That's how we learn about this stuff, which is craziness. You know, it's entertainment and porn, which I'm not a I, porn is great, just not for a, as a teaching tool necessarily, you know. Um, and then I have a, a last chapter on uh, survivor support and resources, you know, because it's, you know, it's so that in a nutshell, that's the book. But again, I try to make it lighthearted and fun because we just, we need to make it so have whatever we can do to keep the conversation going and not have people tune out. Great. Well, yeah, I think that, that people, people who haven't been immersed in, in uh, consent culture or, or sex positivity might see it as a bummer or like it's, it's uh, it's like adding some kind of homework Onto the 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 whole uh, the whole process of of uh, of having sex with, with somebody, right? And you know what? You're right. It is. Guess what? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if that's gonna make if if taking a few more moments or an hour or slowing things down for a day or a week would make the person you're with 
feel more comfortable with you and possibly and probably might make your experience better with them sexually and otherwise, why would we not do this? Right. But I mean, I think there's, there's, there's so many words that come up, right. Entitlement. Um, there's, um, you know, uh, uh, uh whatever, all, all those, all those bad words that come up for why people might not want to slow things down or get to know someone or ask more questions, you know, that kind of stuff. That's why we don't do it, but it just would be better for somebody who did I just talked to. Oh, I just, I did a, um, an interview with friend um, and colleague, Jemanika Ebor. Oh, we love her too. And, uh, fabulous, right? And she said yeah. something in the interview like, she said something like, um, being consensual or having a consent conversation will just set you up to win. And that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's just literally, that's what it is. It's like, it's going to be better for all of you, <laughs> for all of us. Well, it, you know, sex education, uh, when it does happen, tends to be, oh, it's basically just uh, the biological component of it. And there's 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 little about, um, you know, how to how to make it pleasurable, how to make how to make you know how to win at sex. Right. And um, and at the same time, we we have this expectation that um, that everybody has to be good at sex. Without learning how to be good, yes, yes, and you know, and 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 so we, one of the things we don't learn is how to talk about it, how to you know how to negotiate it, and how to um, how to get informed consent and enthusiastic consent, and and how to get you know and how to uh, how to get more pleasure from each other. Absolutely, no, it's absolutely true. I my um, my illustrator, my book illustrator, was actually here. Uh, to speak with me yesterday at this convention. And um, he was talking, I didn't know this. I learned so much about him. It's so funny how when a crowd comes or you're speaking in front of people, it's like, what? I didn't know that. What? I didn't know. <laughs> so long before, he teaches health. I didn't realize he's an artist, been an artist his whole life, but he picked up a job teaching health at a Catholic private high school um, in Ohio where I grew up here. And uh, really crazy. He was saying that um, he's like, oh, I so wanted to be a part of the book. And help you in whatever way I could. And one of the reasons why is because as a health teacher at this Catholic private high school, it's abstinence only education. Mm-hmm. And this is in 2019. Now, of course, at a Catholic school, you would be like, okay, that's not overly shocking. But for whatever reason, I, I don't know, it really like took me aback that it's like, oh no, this is still fully happening. Like, this is still a thing that's happening. It's it's a concerted like effort to like, Oh no, we know what we're doing. It's intentional to have only talk about abstinence in 2019. And I, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I'm like, well, I guess for better, or for worse is the internet. So I guess the kids will get some other information there. And obviously kids now are so savvy. It's like, they're learning so much. Right. But just hopefully they're learning. Hopefully they're choosing to learn something that's somewhat balanced if they do have access to the internet, since the school isn't teaching them something comprehensive. But I don't know. It was just kind of, I, I know that's true, but it was just weird to like talk to someone I know who's teaching and current currently teaching and said, oh, no, this is what we're currently teaching them or not teaching them. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we've had happen um, in Canada like this year um, in Ontario, a very conservative government was elected and um, they've actually been working really hard to revert back to um, the the sex education that was like 
they'd, they'd adapted it in, I believe, 2014 to include things like pleasure and queerness and um yeah. those I know pretty wild stuff and this uh the current government has been uh attempting to revert back to the I think the 1998 uh curriculum that has none of that stuff uh, in it and so you know even in like liberal old Canada that there's like these these groups that are really trying to prevent kids from learning stuff that is going to benefit them and and have them, you know, attempt to feel normal and possibly have good, happy sex lives when they're older. Like, why are we reverting to anything from the 90s? Right? <laughs> like, I mean, any, like, why? I like grew up in the 90s. And it was a fun time in some ways. But like, no, no, like, why? But especially yeah. in the that's insanity. Yeah, we, oh. we're go, going back to mom jeans and oh, and right. absence education. It's a two pronged assault. Yeah. MC hammer pants and yeah. and no consent. It's just like okay, well, <laughs> but but like you said, you know what? There for again for better or for worse, the Me Too movement especially. And again, I'm you know I'm I'm on the side of like I'd love to find proactive solutions to these things. I don't think we can just banish people. Once they violated people, there's got to be some way if someone has a willingness to make amends and do some self-work and possibly therapy and certain things, I'm I'm for the possibility of reintegration professionally, personally, all those kind of things. Right. But it's like, I I don't know. I mean, it's just got to be going back. So the Me Too movement has done an an, an amazing thing in a way, in a sense that if there's not going to be accountability just in the world, in our courts at times, et cetera, then the public will speak and the public will, you know, even with this R. Kelly documentary that's happening, which there's not enough time to talk about all that. I haven't seen all of it yet, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, okay, so for years, for years, I've heard things about them. And especially in the black community, there's certain things, Cosby, like certain things you, we would hear, we as black people, weirdly, but it's true. <laughs> and what I've been hearing, and it's like, why are we protecting these people? Like, if anyone needs to be protected, it's these, I mean, underage girls. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And so, you know, it's, it's, so if it needs to be, if it's needed to be that there's quote unquote a public shaming of people to get people to pay attention, then so be it. And honestly, and I'm so not that person. I, I like to be a very fair minded person and a person that's like, you know, kind of let's go by, you know, the whatever the rules are, are that are in place, but it's like at some point, what is it gonna take? You know? Well if so, well if there's if there's no if there's no criminal if there's no criminal justice, if there's no professional consequences, there has to be social consequences. Yes. Right. So there and, you go. Yeah. But happy time. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of happy no, time no, like, seriously on a on a, on a final note for me, like, I just, I mean, it's, it is so heavy. It's such a heavy topic and it is very serious and, and lives have been damaged and all these things. Having said that, you know, I do, especially for me, like I, I've, I've done a few workshops in Los Angeles around uh, dating, dating in the era of me too, where guys, single guys will come in and they're like expressing actual concern, which I fully understand about dating. And they're nervous about, are they making bad moves here? Like, are you know, is a girl going to accuse them falsely of something? 
And so that's, that's legit. I, I get it. There's a, the tides have turned. Women are speaking out, women especially, but also all genders, right? But, you know, people are speaking out about things that are happening to them. But I, basically, I'm like, just guys, listen, just the people that are speaking out and like publicly like outing people with this stuff um, about their consent violations are people who are doing egregious things. Like egregious blocking doorways so people can't leave, drugging cappuccinos, you know, forcing someone to watch the masturbate. Like th- it's that stuff. So really, just don't do that stuff. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you'll be all right. It'll be great. There's still plenty of people and women, especially, who would love to date and go on a date with you and find an amazing partner who has some level of caring and empathy, empathy, and that's someone that they can have fun with. There's, I mean, I know a ton of them, you know, it's, it's like, it's not a foregone conclusion that you can find that, but it's just, you know, so the fear of the worst case scenario should not be stopping the average person, so to speak, as long as they're doing the right thing and being, being, just being a, just being a decent person, basically, you know? So, um, so you, you talked about sort of the, the idea that this conversation can can be fun. It doesn't need to. It doesn't need to be a bummer. And um, and a, a popular phrase is consent is sexy. Um, yeah. I, yeah. What do you What do you think What do you think about that? Can consent be sexy? Yeah. So the first thing that comes up for me is the yes no maybe list that I mentioned before. You know, and a lot. You know, if anyone listening was like, "What's a yes/no maybe list?" So it's these lists that you can go on Google on the Google and <laughs> search yes/no maybe, and you'll see a bunch of different lists from different organizations and companies that basically it'll say it'll have a whole like like hundreds of items or activities or acts that you can do with a partner, from like hand holding to you know double penetration i don't that's the thing that popped in my head i don't know <laughs> but, um, so and so so that is so that that's that's your your two point list is right. holding hands double that's penetration. the spectrum that's, that's the spectrum we're dealing with okay <laughs> but uh, i don't know that's where my brain is right now apparently. i don't know okay. my apologies everybody um, so, um on this show there is there's yeah Okay, perfect. So yeah, so you know, it's when so you could get the list, you look through all the items, you see what you might be uh, like a hell yes to, you circle those things, uh, maybe two, you might circle those things in that category, and an absolute no, you circle those things. And so that can be a fun activity with a partner to be like, oh, I, you know, I have this yes, no, maybe list, I printed it out, and I circled all the things. Can I see yours? Or do you want to do this together? So we can see where we match up. Like, that's fun. Like, that's a fun thing. Even, you know what? I, someone brought this up because I usually do work with single people mostly. Um, but someone even said, you know what? Valentine's Day is coming up. That could be a really cute idea for, like, a couple that's been together for a long time. Like, to spice things up. I'm like, yes. Oh, that's Yes. Married people. Spice it up. Like, maybe there's some things you never discussed that you'd like to try, you know? Those kind of things. So, yes, no, maybe this is a fun way to kind of explore things you know well a a friend of mine actually made a uh a a venn diagram of our our yes no maybe lists and uh she was really excited about that being like a data nerd and stuff so (laughs) i love it you know i see and again my logical brain 
that likes lists and numbers and rankings and stuff is like, ooh, Venn diagram. Yes. That's so great. <laughs> Well, well, we were able to sort of integrate uh, sexy consent into a play party that we had. Um, actually, well, it was our our twenty year wedding anniversary, and so we had an orgy. And um, as you yeah. as you do, as yeah. you do. Um, yeah. And one of the things that we did for this was in order to make the people who didn't come, you know, with partners or with people that they already knew and were involved with. Um, we made it that everyone had to ask for consent for anything that they were doing. So even if they were with a long-term partner or someone they had a really good, good flow with and they knew um, that they wouldn't be just making those assumptions and so that the people who weren't there wouldn't just feel left out that they were the only ones having to ask for consent as the party was going on. But it, it had this secondary thing where, like wherever you were in the room, you kept asking, you kept hearing people like asking these really sexy questions. <laughs> and it just like, it just added to the event so much that there was just all this like sexy talk going on. And um yeah, it just like, I, it was a completely wonderful secondary benefit. I love it. It's a great idea. I love it. Good job. Yeah, Good they, job, they, guys. Good job. Yeah. They're, they're, there are there are a lot of really uh, fun hacks around around uh, consent, uh, you know, uh, on sort of the other end of the spectrum um, at at Sex Down South. Um, you know, you, you mentioned at conventions, photography can be a consent issue, and so the name tags were color coded. You would wear a different color lanyard if you were willing to be photographed and. Um, and and uh and and so you know a lot of people who had um you know personal and professional reasons why they they couldn't have their photographs published on online you know they would have have a, a lanyard just signaling that so you know sometimes these things can be can be done really efficiently as well absolutely hey guys i have to i gotta go yeah i'm so sorry uh <laughs> I know it's such a good conversation, but I do have to run. Yeah, not to worry. Um, so yeah, just before we uh, before we let you go, why don't you just tell us uh, everywhere that we can that our listeners can find you online and and where all your info is? Yay! Thank you so much, Kat. So um, my name is Erin Tillman, the Dating Advice Girl. My website is thedatingadvicegirl.com. My book is the Consent Guidebook. You'll see a link to the book on my website or go to the consentguidebook.com for more information. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on iBook. It's on all the things, Google books, um, paperback and ebook. And um, I have a podcast called the dating advice girl podcast, um, which is on Spotify, iTunes, all the things too. But um, yeah, just everybody just keep doing your best to have all the conversations. So you can have all of the fun. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful wonderful thank you so much Aaron. yes thank you for joining us oh oh and i'm also on all the social medias i can't believe i didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> the dating advice girl or um dating advice grl on twitter instagram facebook slash the dating advice girl Thanks for listening. Please help us get into the ear holes of more listeners by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platforms. It only takes a few minutes and you can't know what a difference it makes for our visibility. 
Join a wonderful, sexy group of people by contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash on the wet coast. Follow us on Twitter at wet coast cat at serious flick at on the wet coast. Email comments or questions to contact at on the wet and go to on the wet for cat's blog and more or find them over at life on the swing Get Cat Stark's book, Yelling and Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, available now on ebook and paperback and audiobook. Go to Amazon.com or visit OnTheWetCoast.com for links to other marketplaces. And check out other awesome sex-positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at Swingset.fm. I'm Tina Horn author of Love Not Given Lightly, and host of the Wire People Into That podcast. And you're listening to a Swingset podcast at swingset.fm. Hey, lovies. This is Dirty Lola, host and creator of the Sex at a Go-Go podcast. Sex at a Go-Go is a live comedy show, sex ed Q&A, and Go-Go review that takes place once a month in New York in the back room of a tiki bar. But what happens if you can't make it to New York in the back room of Tiki Bar? That's why you listen to the podcast. That's right. It's a live show. I'm being funny. I'm going to teach you some things. You're not even going to know you're learning. So join me here on Swingset.fm or the Swingset app for Android or on sexatagogo.com and check us out. You won't regret it.